G'day there, I'm Graham VK for Baker Baker. This is WIA National News for week commencing November 16, 2014. With less than six weeks to go to Christmas, the Australian Communication and Media Authority is expecting an upsurge in interference. Now on sale at retailers are new Christmas lights and also those being dusted off, the ones that have been stored away in homes for years, you know, the ones with the tangled cords. Well, based on ACMA experience, some poorly designed and often cheap LED lights will cause interference to radio and TV reception. Later in this bulletin, WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, looks at what appears a bold new plan re this type of interference. ACMA does help consumers through self-help brochures that include what to look for and how to eliminate interference. Just pop on to acma.gov.au. Astronomers have used radio telescopes in Australia and Chile to see inside the remains of a supernova in what researchers describe as a forensic investigation into the death of a star. This supernova was first observed in the Southern Hemisphere in 1987. Since then, the remnant of supernova 1987A has been examined by researchers around the world, including the University of West Australia, who had a team that used the Atacama Large Millimetre Submillimetre Array in Chile's Atacama Desert and the Australian Telescope Compact Array in New South Wales to observe the remnant. Still to come in this edition of WIA National News, we'll be hearing from Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, WIA Director. We'd also like to remind you, now we did tell you on the WIA Broadcasters uh, Yahoo group that today's news would be a little bit longer. In fact, I'm here to tell you, you might as well make yourself a big pot of coffee. So, hopefully all those that uh, do download the automatic one will definitely have uh, got our note through the week and have altered their parameters. Rewind. Commemorating Anzac 100, a series of articles appearing in Amateur Radio magazine. A number of contributions have been made by Lloyd Butler, Victor Kilo 5, Bravo Romeo, and a summary of another one follows. Joe Kilgariff, VKZ slash VK5JT, was an early radio amateur in Alice Springs, first obtaining a licence in 1927. His first transmitter acted as contact for major expeditions venturing into Central Australia. VKZ was a special call to communicate with the Outback expeditions, including that led by long-distance explorer Donald George Mackay in 1933. Joe was listed as Victor Kilo 5 Juliet Tango in the Adelaide area as early as 1937. He joined the RAAF in January 34 and, during World War II, was in charge of RAF Radio Parafield. Joe had the rank of Flight Sergeant. He also taught Morse code in the RAAF. He was an active member of the WIA and served on the South Australian WIA Council and was president from 1938 to 1940. Today we remember Joe Kilgariff, Victor Kilo 5 JT, a man of many occupations who took up radio communication as a hobby at the forefront of early outback expeditions and served in the RAAF during World War II. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Well, we may have to make that 380 this week, as today it's to VK6 for a quite lengthy report from Ono on how things are progressing on establishing two-metre comms across the Indian Ocean to ZS land. 
We'll also look at the Rosebud Radio Festival and also to VK5 where Weiss and South Australia have been invited to set up a display at the CFS Mawson Group Equipment and Community Night. This event is being held Monday, that's Monday the 17th, at the McLaren Flat Oval from a quarter past seven. This follows a successful display recently at the Morfitt Vale CFS in which amateur radio, Weissen and training opportunities were advertised. And also a great raffle is in store when you visit www.vks737.on.net. Now this is the VKS 737 radio network, part of the Australian National Four-Wheel Drive radio network, which provides a 24-hour-a-day HF radio service for travellers throughout Australia. The raffle details are in the text edition of this news and proceeds could easily save a life. Hello, this is John, VK3BJR, President of the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club, reminding listeners that the Rosebud Radio Fest will be held again this year on Sunday the 30th of November. As usual, the event will be held at the Eastbourne Primary School at Alambie Avenue, Rosebud, with outdoor displays open from 8am and the main sale area open from a new earlier time of 9.30am and continuing through till 2pm. If you have pre-loved equipment to sell, tables are still available at $10 and can be booked online at www.rosebudradiofest.com. Technical forums will be held as part of the Radio Fest and topics include constructing a remote-controlled radio station, pedestrian mobile operation, latest SDR technology and an ACMA update. The event has full catering, there is plenty of off-street parking, there are great door prizes including an ICOM VHF UHF digital transceiver, the ID51A, and the entry fee is only $6 with under-12s free. This event presents an ideal opportunity to make a family day of it, so bring your family and enjoy the Radio Fest and the beaches, parks, wineries, shops and restaurants of the Mornington Peninsula. See you in Rosebud on the 30th of November. This is John, VK3BJR. This report from ZS2FM and VK6RK. Proposal for an amateur radio science research project to detect chirp beacon signals from Australia on 144 MHz. Radio amateurs made their greatest contribution to radio science and left their mark on history when they established two-way radio communication across the Atlantic Ocean on MF and HF bands. The US military bounced the first radio signals off the moon, and a few years later radio amateurs duplicated it but it was the most difficult mode in amateur radio that only a few higher-power amateurs could accomplish. Thanks to modern digital communications, many radio amateurs can now regularly make EME contacts with 100 watts and a single Yagi beam antenna, even on 50 MHz. Today, the biggest terrestrial challenge that remains for VHF amateurs is to bridge the Atlantic and Indian Oceans on 144 MHz via tropoducting. Many unsuccessful attempts have been made, and more recently the Canadian de-expedition VC-1T conducted tests for a week from Newfoundland across the cold and harsh Atlantic, but only a few traces of digital signals were received in Europe, over a distance of around 4,000 kilometres. Now, the Northern Corridor Radio Group, VK6ANC, based in Perth, are planning to conquer the 8,000-kilometre sea path between Perth and Port Elizabeth with our help. They intend to use chirp signals based on chirp-modulated radar principles 
with an EME-type Yagi beam antenna system, which will permit extremely weak signals to be detected as far down as minus 50 dB below the receiver noise floor. The principle of chirp modulation is based on a sweep frequency pulse of 0 to 2000 Hz that is repeated every second, and requires a special synchronized type receiver. Digital signals could be sent by designating an up-chirp sweep pulse as binary 1 and a down-chirp sweep pulse as binary 0. Furthermore, the William Hepburn's worldwide tropospheric ducting forecast have on occasion predicted conditions across part of the Indian Ocean that could favour the propagation of 144 MHz signals. The first stage of the research will call for higher power transmitter with a chirp modulator and 4x7 element Yagi EME array to be erected at Perth. The system will operate as a beacon, VKA6RIO, on a frequency of 144.950 MHz and beaming at South Africa. All the equipment is already on hand, just waiting to be erected when they get a nod from us. Then they'll ship to Port Elizabeth the complete chirp receiver. But on our side, we must provide a 4x7 element or better EME-type Yagi array, a PC linked 24-7 to the internet. This will permit all those who have subscribed to the research project to monitor reception in Australia and South Africa real-time. Reception of the beacon signals will provide a lot of scientific information, such as time of day, the month, and etc. of openings, the tropospheric conditions that could make this possible, the signal strength, how well the results correlate with the Hepburn Indian Ocean forecasts, and whether it would be feasible to make two-way contacts with simpler equipment with a digital mode, such as JT65B. Once we have all the above data, then we can plan SCEDs with the VKs and once again make amateur radio history. I've liaised with Phil Harmon, VK6 Papa Hotel in Keith Bainbridge, VK6 RK, spokesman for the Northern Corridor Radio Group, for the past couple of years or so, and posted items of this project on the SARL VHF forum. I will coordinate this research in Port Elizabeth and hopefully with the assistance of some local VHF amateurs. The Australians developed and tested the chirp modulator and synchronised chip receiver at a cost of 3500 Australian dollars, with assistance from TAPR, and will provide us with a chirp receiver at $1,000 Australian plus shipping. The first step is to import the receiver. Then we will only need the antenna array and a PC with internet connectivity. If successful, this amateur radio science research project on 144 MHz will be reminiscent of the first amateur radio transatlantic test when Paul Godley received US amateur signals on 160 metres in Scotland. And that was a report from ZS2FM and VK6RK. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. The Government's spectrum review process has reached another milestone. On Remembrance Day, last Tuesday, the Minister for Communications, the Honourable Malcolm Turnbull MP, announced the release of a consultation paper seeking public comment. The consultation paper is called Spectrum Review Potential Reform Directions. You may recall that the Minister announced a review of spectrum policy arrangements back in May with an issues paper that set out the terms of reference of the Government's review and seeking comment. The WIA sent a submission in response to that issues paper in September. 
the Department of Communications received a total of 35 non-confidential submissions from a range of stakeholders, including public broadcaster, our ABC, the Australian Radio Communications Industry Association, various state and federal government agencies, consulting firms, telecommunications firms and the Police Federation. The latest consultation paper sets out 11 potential reform proposals and asks stakeholders to address four questions in relation to the proposed reforms. At first reading, four of the proposals are of interest to the amateur radio community, these being as follows. The first is, one licence for all, apparatus, class and spectrum licensing are proposed to go. There would be a single licensing framework, with licences being issued based on a set of parameters that cover frequency bands, power limits, licence terms and other useful specifications. This is otherwise known as parameter-based licensing. The second is outsourcing. The ACMA would have the ability to delegate spectrum management functions to other entities. Functions to be devolved could include licensing, fee collection, interference management and dispute resolution, among other things. Don't you love the sound of cash registers in the morning? The third is developing more principles-based regulation of the supply of electronic and radio communications devices. The idea here being to increase incentives for device suppliers and users to manage risk and resolve interference, as well as disputes in the device supply market. I know what you're thinking. Hold on to your hats for a moment. The fourth proposal of interest to amateurs is extending enforcement measurements available to the ACMA, enabling it to impose civil penalties, issue remedial directions and formal warnings to manage and control interference, along with related powers. To speculate for a moment, could one imagine a consumer electronics supplier being slapped with a bluey to recall a whole range of lighting products because they were furious RF noisemakers, and then being hit with a six-figure fine. Perhaps we'll wait until the ink is dry on the implementation program to come out of the review, when we can see, in writing, the brave new world ahead. The deadline for submissions to the consultation paper is the 2nd of December. In the meantime, the board will be considering the directions paper in depth and inviting member input, and I'll be compiling yet another submission from the WIA. The review of the responses to the latest consultation paper is being undertaken by the Department of Communications and the ACMA. They will report to the Minister early next year. You will find details on the WIA website homepage under Latest News from the WIA and also under Hot Issues. This is WIA Director Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, for VK1WIA News. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. VK1WIA and the G20 edition of the International News. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. 
At approximately 0500 UTC on Monday the 11th of November 1918, 96 years ago, the armistice was signed in a railway carriage of Marshal Fox Special Train, located in the forest at Retons in France on the Western Front. At 1100 UTC, Monday the 11th of November 1918, the roar of guns ceased and peace and silence finally descended on the Western Front, ending the First World War. It is estimated that close to 9.5 million soldiers, sailors and airmen of all sides died in the Great War. We were made aware that the Radio Amateur Fraternity in Zulu Sierra Land commemorated Remembrance Day with a special program by the Reverend Jan Kramer, Zulu Sierra 6 Juliet Romeo Kilo. That audio file is available from the SARL web. Select Amateur Radio today and follow the links. All radio amateurs were requested to keep radio silence between 10.45 and 11.00 as a mark of respect for all who had fallen in service of their country. Up in Europe, news of a special World War I prefix for Belgium. Belgian stations have been given permission to use the prefix Oscar Papa instead of the usual Oscar November during November each year until 2018 to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Great War. The ARRL in Lisbon was activated November 11th from Fort de Bom Successo in Lisboa with a special call sign Charlie Sierra 2 Alpha Romeo Mike 96 Delta. This activation is yet another that remembers the centenary of the First World War and 96 years of Armistice Day and honoured all Portuguese military who died in the First World War in various corners of Europe. IARU Member Society, the Radio Club Argentino, is the latest to get access to the 60 metre band for its radio amateurs, ahead of the issue being decided next November by the World Radio Conference. The release of the band in Argentina followed its raising the issue to authorities. Ministry of Communications delegation from Argentina supported the allocation on a secondary basis in a continuous segment of 5275 to 5450 kHz. 5 MHz is Agenda Item 1.4 proposed by Cuba at the World Conference Radio Geneva, Switzerland next year. Shortwave masts demolished. The DARC report a piece of radio history came to an end on November 4 with the demolition of the Wurtuktal shortwave transmitter masts. The shortwave station came into operation for the Munich Olympics in 1972. At the time, it was the largest shortwave transmitter in Europe with 29 masts up to 125 metres high. The first transmissions began on April 10, 1972 using 500 kilowatt transmitters. The demolition of the facility started in May and the plant will be completely demolished by the end of the year. Global Set tests our emergency communications. On Sunday, November the 23rd, those trained and prepared for disaster when it strikes will be on air for a special training exercise. IARU Region 1 invites all IARU member societies and emergency communication groups to participate in its latest global simulated emergency test. Emergency Centre of Activity Frequencies on 80, 40, 20, 17 and 15 metres, plus or minus QRM, will have registered stations calling CQ Global Set. 
Global Set 2014 runs from 11am to 3pm local time on November the 23rd, has its rules on the IARU Region 1 website and includes registration with the relevant IARU Regional Coordinator. Christmas Island is ham radio heaven. ABC reports the isolated Christmas Island attracts amateur radio enthusiasts from across the globe. Radio amateurs from Poland visited recently with unusually heavy baggage loaded with receivers, transmitters and antennas tens of metres long. The VK-9 X-Ray Sierra Papa de-expedition team had an arduous journey from Prague to Dubai, then to Jakarta before the final leak to the dot in the northwestern Indian Ocean, that is Christmas Island, over 40 hours in transit. Operational news on Felix VK-4FUQ awards. Listen for VK3 National Parks on air. Portable stations are now active in many Victorian national parks and making plenty of contacts. The 4th Annual Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award Activity Weekend has a record of 35 unique parks this year, including those from VK2 and VK5. It runs until tomorrow, Monday. Award Manager Tony Hambling, VK3 VTH, says most activities on 40 metres. While some use Long Path Europe on 20 metres, aiming also at the Worldwide Flora and Fauna Award. The Parks and Peaks website has all activations. The URLs of it and the award rules can be found in the text edition of this broadcast. Special Event Stations, DX, Beacon, Repeater and Net Advice. Patrick Stoddard, WD9EWK, Stroke, VA7EWK, has secured the special course sign, Whiskey 7 Oscar. Houston commemorating the 40th anniversary of the launch of Oscar 7 on the 15th of November 1974. He plans on having this call on the air between the 15th and 24th of November, working satellites and possibly other bands. He will work satellite passes from Arizona, including AO7 passes, and hopes to recruit a small group of operators who can work other passes that cover eastern North America, along with other places that he can't work from his home QDH, for example, Europe, North America, South America. He may also recruit some operators to work HF with this call. Patrick will handle the QSL request for Whiskey 7 Oscar during this period. I am thinking of incorporating the original QSL car design AMSAT used to confirm AO7 reports from the 1970s in the W70 card. Please contact Patrick at wd9ewk.net if you have any questions related to this operation. VP8 RAF stroke 100 Falkland Islands. The RAF Amateur Radio Society, G8FC, have sent an expedition to the Falkland Islands to operate from the Joint Services Welfare Facility Amateur Radio Station using the call signs VP8RAF-100 and VP8FIR-100. The call signs commemorate the Battle of Coronel on November 1, 1914 and the First Battle of the Falklands on December 8, 1914. All VP8 stations are able to use the suffix stroke 100 starting back on November 1 up until December 15, 2014. The Battle of Coronel off the west coast of Chile saw a number of Royal Navy ships sunk, both the HMS Good Hope and HMS Monmouth, which were lost with all crew. What became known as the First Battle of the Falklands took place to the southeast of East Falkland and saw the Royal Navy sink eight ships of the German Imperial Navy including the flagship of Admiral Gruff von Spee. We have made mention of this one before, 
The Islamic Republic of Iran Iota de Expedition where a multinational team of amateur radio operators from Belgium, the Netherlands and Greece will be active as EP6T from Kish Island, AS-166, the Islamic Republic of Iran, during the last two weeks of January 2015. Now comes some QSLing advice. They will use ClubLog for online logging and OQRS, QSL requests. A few days after the de-expedition, the logs will be uploaded by the QSL manager to LOTW. QSL manager is Tim Beaumont, M0URX. All QSLs by the Bureau will be answered as usual. The EP60 website is now available with more information, www.rockall.be. From now on, they will update their website and Twitter pages on a daily basis, if need be. Finally, does shortwave radio have a future? This article regarding the future and relevancy of shortwave radio broadcasting originally appeared in the October 2014 issue of the Spectrum Monitor magazine. It is now available online to read when you click this week's text news on wia.org.au. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. I'm Brian, VK3GR with worldwide special interest group news beginning with ATV video. NASA has released a video showing eight days of solar flares produced by the largest sunspot in the past two dozen years. Known as AR2192, the video is a time-lapse that shows its X-class flares in both visible and ultraviolet light using images taken by the Solar Dynamics Observatory Atmospheric Imaging Assembly Instrument. The massive sunspot, which now has rotated away from Earth, produced one of the most powerful X-class flares between October 19th and the 27th, plus many more medium-class flares during that same period. The video is online several places, including YouTube, so just search for AR2192. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Digital Raspberry Pi, smaller and cheaper new model A+. The A+, follows the Raspberry Pi model B+, as its more affordable and efficient variant. Whereas the B Plus costs about $40, its little successor is just $23. And according to Raspberry Pi Foundation co-founder Eben Upton, it's just as powerful as the B Plus. No Raspberry left behind. Like the Model A, the A Plus uses the Broadcom BMC2835 application processor and has 256 megabytes of RAM but it is significantly smaller, consumes less power, and inherits the many improvements that were made to the Model B+. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. 4M Moon Flyby. The epic voyage of the 4M Ham Radio Lunar Flyby mission has come to an end. The Lux Space Manfred Memorial Moon mission, nicknamed 4M, that circled the moon on October 28th is now in Earth orbit. At least, it was as reported in a post to the Lux Space Mission blog. From the information available as we go to air, the 4M amateur radio payload was attached to the upper stage of a Chinese Long March 3C rocket. Its primary payload was the Chang'e 5T 
which is a prototype of the Mars lander capsule with the ability to safely return to Earth. Both completed the loop around the Moon early on October 28th and headed back towards our home planet. As widely reported, the Chang'e 5T1 made it safely through the Earth's atmosphere without any real heat damage. It touched down at 22.42 UTC on October 31st in Inner Mongolia. While there's likely a lot more to this story, there's no doubt that the 4M amateur radio lunar flyby will go into the history books as a first for ham radio in space. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Radio Amateur Young Timers, IARU Region 1, announces youth budget for 2015-2017. to Region 1 of the International Amateur Radio Union plans to spend roughly $28,000 on young hams in 2015, 16 and 17. According to the minutes of the recent 23rd IARU Region 1 General Conference, for that time frame was about 26000 which will be spent directly on youth-oriented projects with another 2000 on new youth working group that will be chaired by Lisa Linders, PA2LS. This youth working group will organise and coordinate the Region 1 Youngsters on the Air program and other Region 1 youth-oriented activities. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. Back in our October 12th news, we told of an upcoming Queensland SES and Weissen joint exercise where the Tark Inc. were after volunteers. Well, realism was added to Exercise Maggie by only releasing the details to the SES and embedded radio amateurs at a very late stage, so it simulated a call-out of volunteers. The scenario on the weekend of October 25 and 26 was a washed-up ship following a storm on Magnetic Island and those on board missing. Arriving at the SES headquarters at 7am on the Saturday were many trained volunteers and four members of the Townsville Amateur Radio Club Weissen Group. Then off to a ferry for a 45-minute trip to Magnetic Island and on the voyage an update briefing was held concerning the setting up of an emergency operations centre responding to storm damage, providing welfare, logistics and further action. Radio communications was the only way to coordinate the teams in the field. Checks were made of the portable Weissen crossband repeater, batteries and transceivers on hand in case they were needed. Some crews went to Nelly Bay to clear debris. Others were on the SES flood boat in Nelly Bay, and there was working at height safety practice, more briefings, and a search. The searching included testing radio procedures designed not to give away the intent or result of the search. On the Sunday after breakfast, another rapid briefing occurred for the Exercise Maggie scenario that included a storm-hit boat washed up with the occupants missing. To be embedded during disasters, radio amateurs need to have practiced the emergency radio procedure and abide by the rules that the EOC make. For members of Weissen and the Townsville Amateur Radio Club, they thoroughly enjoyed the exercise, learned quite a bit, a few new things and how to fit in successfully with SES communications as a team. That's all from me, Brian, VK3GR. Well, I really thought we'd still be going here with WIA News this week. We certainly did have a lot of news that we were able to bring to you. Now, there's a lot more news in our text edition. News that we had to edit in here. We uh, couldn't bring it all to you. And just a reminder that, uh, and I guess this is a little bit like looking a gift horse in the mouth because we're always after news. But just remember, if you uh, send us a news item that, say, goes five minutes, that only leaves us 
room for another uh, another five stories, really, if everybody was to do that. We only do have, supposedly, the 30 minutes. Now, although it did go a little bit longer, we did put out the note to WIA broadcasters of the length, so no excuse for um, not knowing it was going to go longer, particularly those stations that have it on automatic relay. OK, we'll leave you with the, uh, with the uh, social scene. And, of course, uh, this weekend in Brisbane, yes, it's G20, but in VK7, it's the Myena Hamfest, midway between the north and the south. So no warring down there. Myena Hamfest, November 15. November 21 in VK3, it's the Bendigo Amateur Radio and Electronics Club's Men's Shed Public Meeting. November 23 in VK5, it's Welcome to Amateur Radio Day at Blackwood, 8.45am. And Spark Hamfest, as we heard, it's at Rosebud in VK3, November 30. Now till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Thanks for listening and walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA at the weekly WIA Amateur Radio News Service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.